listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl Yazzie Speaks on Millennial Minds. Today we have Mr. Marcus Bullock, who is the CEO of Flick Shop. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Yasmin, how are you? Hey, we finally got you in here. How you doing? I'm super pumped to be here. Thank you so Ah, much for having me. Yes, we are super excited to have you. You guys, this is the one and only Marcus Bullock. Um, Very lovable, gentle giant, humble guy, very very enthusiastic. Um, And he has this amazing, amazing business and app. Uh, But I'm going to allow him to introduce himself to us. Well, introduce to some um, and represent to many. Tell us who you are and um, what's Flick Shop and what does it do? Yeah, no, thank you again for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. It's always a pleasure. Anytime you and I get a chance to share space together, it's always a good time. So um, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, so we... We're the the tech company that wanted to help keep families connected to their incarcerated loved ones. That's essentially what we set out to do with FlickShop. Our first iteration of that is a mobile application that allows our users inside of the community to be able to send um, a picture and a short message directly from their phone to a postcard that gets shipped to anyone in prison. So a user takes a picture, asks some quick text, hey, what's up, bro? I miss you. Keep your head up. Um, We take that photo in that message and we print it on a tangible postcard and we ship it directly to any person in any sale anywhere in the country. Whoa. Ah. Like, yo, first of all, that is so dope. Um, it's very Thank you. innovative. Thank you. And I just think that's so cool that you can go on your phone, download this app, download the Flick Shop app. And if you have an incarcerated loved one anywhere across the country, yes. you can just type up a little message pop a nice picture, appropriate picture in there. Appropriate picture, <laughs> appropriate picture. I mean, and you you get a, a you would get su- you'd be surprised. I mean, how many pictures are not as appropriate? <laughs> I'm not surprised. That's why I I saw in the fine print on the website. Like, make sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're not an adult company. I'm here. just saying. You know, they're on postcards. You know what I mean? The reality of it is, is that a lot of the photos that get shipped, I, you know, I'm like, oh man. I see why your mama prays over them. Yo, like, Lord, like, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. No foolery. I know, right? I know, right? So those of you who are listening, so my mom, she works for our company. She's um our relationships manager. And really the the reason as to, you know, why we launched Flick Shop, but she also works, she manages is the fulfillment process so every postcard that gets shipped out of our out of our warehouse they go through her hands and so every now and again my mom she have oh my goodness what in the world is they sending <laughs> like kind of sort of moment you know and uh but i mean we we gently just reply back to the customer and say so sorry we can't ship this one it's on a postcard and everyone on you know between your, your the local postal delivery person all the way down to the person in the prison mail room is going to see this picture and so we can't quite send this one so let's try to put a uh, just a few more clothes on right. or take some of these things out of the background in the photo and then we can ship it very right. nice but i mean i'm excited about the innovation i mean it's it's really exciting to be able to see so many families um, stay connected in an environment where historically, you know, families have been ripped apart. And yes. so to be one of the leaders inside of the tech space that also is intentional about keeping yes. that family connected during one of the hardest times of their lives. I'm proud of that. You should be. You Thank absolutely you. should be. And let me say, I can say it. 
I don't know if you could say it, <laughs> but the fact that you are an African American male born and raised locally, yeah, right, yeah, in yeah. DC, yeah, born and raised in here in DC, born and raised in DC, being a leader nationally, but also worldwide, you are a leader in tech and and you are connecting families. And so, Marcus, tell us. Um, some know your story and others don't. What inspired you to come up with this idea of Flick Shop? Yeah, no, thank you again for that compliment too. I'm yeah. I'm very I'm humbled by it. I tell you, like, um I, I commonly tell people like I, I just I wasn't smart enough to pray for this chapter that I'm living of my life right now. When I was fifteen, uh I stole a car from a man um in Fairfax, Virginia at a in a shopping mall parking lot at mm -hmm. gunpoint. Mm -hmm. Um a friend of mine and I, I was fifteen, he was sixteen. We rolled up on this guy, demanded that he get out of this car, patted him down, found his keys, hopped in the car, mm -hmm. um, and pulled off. And that decision landed me in a in front of a judge with my mom, sister, aunts, uncles, a lot of my church family, basketball team, they were all sitting behind me um in the courthouse as they listened to the judge sentenced me to eight years in adult maximum securities mm. and so i'm 15 years old and i'm getting sent to prison and i really in adult yeah, maximum yeah, yeah. security prison it's crazy for wow it's crazy like yeah, at 15. When, when you think about the, the the charges that a lot of um the people that i shared sales with that didn't look like me that they you know they're going to court during the same times they had much more you know they had heinous very heinous crimes. crimes you know what i mean and you're like oh man they walked away with eight days or like four weekends in the jail and you're like oh yeah bet like i'm going to homecoming you know what i mean like i know i'm going to homecoming like i'm not going to miss homecoming i'm not going to miss christmas i'm not going to miss you know easter with my family i'm not going to miss thanksgiving dinner like because those so are real things that you think about as a 15 year old kid i see so you really thought you were like oh you know i'm not going to be here long come on i knew i wasn't not only did i think that i wasn't going to be here long like i walked in a sense of confidence that i knew that i wasn't going to be there long like i was plan i was sitting in the jail still mm -hmm. planning my next week at school you I know what see, I mean like I, I knew I'm like alright well, what am I gonna say to my English teacher because I know that I missed like a week of school and then it was like okay so what am I gonna say to my guidance counselor to help them understand why I missed a month of school and then it was like alright well dang I'm probably gonna I'm gonna do pretty bad this semester I was in 10th grade mm. you know what I mean so it was like alright I'm gonna do bad this semester because I missed a lot of school and then it was like, I got sentenced. Even once I got sentenced, it was like, all right, well, clearly the judge knows that I'm a, a, a sophomore in high school. I mean, I can't not graduate. Right, right. Right, like right. That, that's not even an option. And so I knew every weekend I was going to go home. Mm. Like for the first two years of me doing time. I lived in denial for like literally the first two years. Oh my goodness! And how how long did you serve out of the eight years? Eight years. You served full eight <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, full eight years. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because I got sentenced in Virginia right when they stripped um, the Ooh, state from parole. Yeah, I was in Virginia. Ooh. Yeah, the case got the case happened in Fairfax, Virginia, and so you know they kept me down there, and it was like, well. We don't have any parole here in Virginia, so you had to do 85% of your time. And not only did you have to do 85%, but you had to earn 85%. Because you had to do 100% of your time. So in Virginia, no matter what they sentence you to, you just got to do that number. Whoa. If you do really, really, I mean, exceptionally well, you only have to do 85% of that number. What was the, I guess, maybe the pivotal moment or the revelation or the time where you said... Where you realize that Flick Shop is something that folks who were your cellmates and people that you, you know, served time with needed, you know, need across the country. What 
what was that moment where you said, you know, this is something that's really important and this needs to be, somebody needs to be doing this. Yeah. So it was, let me tell you exactly how it happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm in denial for the first two years and halfway through year number two, I meet my boy, Danny B. Danny B is like in his mid fifties. Okay. Right. And, and in prison, you know, that's the only, I'm, I've been there for like, you know, I'm like 17, but I've been in for two years. So I think I'm a vet. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, you know, like I know this prison thing. Like I got this under wraps. Like I could uh-huh. like produce a whole movie on how to, you know, <laughs> how live to in prison. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I, I thought I knew I was doing right. <laughs> and so, um, um, it's so funny, man, because I can laugh at that now, right? Like my night, the naivety that I was living in at that time was very interesting. But anyway, you know, it's the only place. Prison is the only place where a 16, 17 year old and like a 50, 60 year old are like equivalent, like they're on the same wavelength. And so I'm walking around, the, I'm walking around the prison wreck yard with my boy Danny B. And he, I asked him, I'm like, yo, bro, how long have you been in here? And he told me he had already served 31 years. Mm. And that was the moment. Oh my goodness. That I'm like, oh snap. Mm-hmm. Like if they would keep a man in prison for 31 years, like I'm about to mind you, again, I'm like 17, right? So he's been in prison almost twice as long as I've been yes. on the planet. You know what yes. I mean? So if they're going to keep him in there for that amount of time, there was no way that they were going to let me out early mm. and I was going to have to do all eight of my years. And that's when it became very dark for me. Like I, I was, before then, I was like happy-go-lucky. I was yeah. in prison, but it was like I was in college. Like I was like, oh yeah, whatever. I'm going to get out next weekend. Mm-hmm. Like literally every weekend for two years. Wow. Right? And I'm like, oh, like this y'all life. Like that's not me. Even my cell partner, he had life plus 43 and he was my best friend in there. But I'm like, oh yeah, you know, he got life, but I'm going to get out in a couple of weeks. I wonder what he's going to, what is going to happen to him when I get out. You mm. know what I mean? Like that's the way my, my brain was moving. And then it was like, oh snap, I'm going to have to be in here with this dude and these other men for almost a decade. And, you know, trying to wrap your teenage brain around that is a very challenging thing. Knowing, you know, seeing all the things you see on a maximum security prison rec yard, you know, living imagine, through yeah. that experience was was challenging. Even just the pleasurable moments, right? The calling home and hearing, you know, an old girlfriend's voice on the mm-hmm. phone, right? Like, it was cool until she said, yeah, we getting ready to go on our senior trip. And now I'm like, I'm sinking into the, the sunken place because I'm like, yeah, dang, yo, I ain't never going to be able to um, go on a senior trip. I'm never going to be able to experience graduation. My mom won't be able. The only graduation my mom will have ever seen me experience was a sixth grade graduation. Mm. Like that was like all things that I was I had to swallow and I was dealing with in that time. And so I became very dark, very depressed. Um, you know, I was like really beat up, you know what I mean? Like mentally, you know, psychologically, I had to deal with how to navigate this new environment and it was hard. Like I ain't gonna front, like Mm. it was hard. And my mom, she saw me starting to adjust and turning into this new person. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, the way that I would talk to her on the phone, it was different. When she would come and see me in the visiting room, I was more detached and darker and shorter and I wasn't as gleeful and all of those things that she was accustomed to seeing when she would come and visit me. She's like, yo, things are happening. They're changing. Marcus is changing. And eventually it got to the point. I'm like, ma, just stop coming down here. Like, don't like you about to drive four hours. You drove four hours to come and see here. Come mm-hmm. and sit with me. You were serving where? And so I was all over the state of Virginia. Oh, they moved you. Yeah, they, they transferred moved- me a lot. So they transferred me from, from Fairfax County Jail 
all the way to Southern Virginia in Southampton mm-hmm. um, Reception Center. Then I went to Southampton Farm. Then I went to like an area in Lawrenceville, Virginia. And then I was in wow. like the Tidewater area. And then I, you know, finally made it back up here to like the Culpeper area. But it was like the entire time I was far from home. Mm-hmm. And so she had to drive like hours and hours and hours Jeez. just to sit with me for, you know, an hour. Yeah. And Talk that's to me for an hour. For most, a lot of, Folks it's who are incarcerated, if their folk, if anyone comes to see them, they they're typically yeah. driving. It's the main reason why most people don't get visits. Mm. It's hard. Like I think about how pack, how jam packed my days are right now, and like one of my boys who, um, he's locked up like an hour and a half away from me, and it is challenging just for me to try to find time in my day. Like I gotta make time i gotta like block things out yeah, and, like, or yo, maybe block a whole day literally so oh no can... it's a day yeah, it's yeah. A whole day. <laughs> you know what i mean I like it. yeah it's a whole day the process it takes to only get to the facility then you gotta like you know I'm, I, my mom is telling me how they're patting her down and how they you know the the kind of bra she wore it would matter the kind of jeans the mm-hmm. color jeans she wore it would matter the color shirt she wore it would matter you know what i mean and like and then she had to drive four hours back you know what i mean it's like eight hours of a drive for a one hour visit like nah ma stop don't mm-hmm. come to here no more. Matter of fact, just start grieving now. Grieve now. Mourn over me now. Because my every one of my friends in here got life. All my friends got 50, 60, 70 years. I'm going to die in here. There's no oh, reason. Oh, you, you thought you were going to stay there Oh, that forever. was a wrap. That oh, was a wow. wrap. These were the environments where people had no problem running their time up. Because, I mean, you know, you can get in a fight and... Potentially stab somebody, and like, ah, right, you get 21 years. But, like, if you got 90 years. Right, then, then you weren't, you're not getting out of here. You're like, like most yo, likely. 20 years is like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Like, that means nothing. If my release date says, you know, 2105, it's 1998. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, mm-hmm. yo, like, I ain't going home. So it was nothing for someone to jump in and just want to just do whatever. And so that was like, I, because I saw that on a very regular basis, I adopted that same way of thinking. And so my mom, she like, she lost her mind. Like she mm. was like, dude, you tripping if you think <laughs> that I'm going to let you go to this this new prison culture that you're living in. Like, dude, this is, nah, that's not you. This is not you. This is not you. Mm-hmm. In fact, to help make sure that you understand that you're loved and that there is life after prison, Marcus, you're going to make it out one day. I know you don't think it. I know you don't see it. I know 2004 is like, so far for you, because mm-hmm. mind you, like this is the, the late 90s when Y2K was happening and everybody mm-hmm. thought that the, the computers weren't going to be able to turn back. So we was like, yo, we're going to die. Like, this is like, you know what I mean? Right? Like, all these things <laughs> the were going on. The millennium, everything is going to just... Yeah, like everything was just going to vanish, right? Like Y2K, it was yeah. a big thing. She was like, nah, I'm going to ensure that you know that there's life after prison. And so she made a commitment to me in a prison visiting room to send me a picture or write me a letter every single day for the remaining six years of my prison sentence. That's amazing. It was an incredible promise that she made. And even at the time, I didn't think that, you know, it was going to mean anything. I didn't think that it was going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, picture, letter, whatever, right? Whatever, mom. Like, you think I'm in summer camp or something? Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm about to, when them double doors clank, I'm about to go back to war. Right. Right? So these M&Ms that you and I are sharing in the visiting room is all magical and all that, and I love it. But when I go, when those double doors clank, I'm back to it. You know what I mean? And so she she did it. She held up on a promise. She started sending me pictures and started writing me letters. And little did I know that her pictures and her letters would save my life. Mm. She would give me a window to the world that I had never, would have never experienced. In fact, the family structure, the dynamic gets pulled further and further away every single day that's being served, right? Every day, you just getting pulled 
further and further and mm. further and further and further away until now, you know, one or two years later, you know, the cousin is like, oh, yeah, yeah, my cousin, oh, yeah, he locked up, but, you know, whatever. And then you keep on going to conversation. Right. And like, oh, yeah, I'll see him in five years. He comes home in five years. I'll see him, blah, blah, right? That's how, that's the, it's the memory of the cousin. Mm. So you're not connecting with them, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so my mom made sure the connection was there and, it allowed me to be able to see the world and realize that there was life after prison. And her letters and photos saved my life. When I came home, I knew I wanted to figure out a way to give that back to the millions of other people around the globe who were incarcerated that needed that moment because people don't write people letters in prison anymore. People don't like write letters in general anymore. Yeah, that's true. It's very, very, very rare. Like, why would you? So, like, with Flick Shop, how many families have you impacted? And um, what are you um, most most excited about? Um, I know now you have you, you have different branches of Flick Shop or different channels that people can give, like uh, Flick Shop Angels. So just tell us how many families you've impacted and maybe one or two testimonials. Or some, somebody will say, oh, you know, thank you so much for Flick Shop. It's really changed my life. Um, and what you're looking most forward to with Flick Shop? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the interesting thing about the journey, when I first launched Flick Shop, if I'm being completely honest, like, please, I honestly didn't think that we were starting a business to like grow into what it's grown to I now. I see. Like, so what I, did you think it was going to... I mean, you... I was building it for my for my friends. Like my boys... Oh, okay. Before Flick Shop, I owned a construction business. I started working mm-hmm. at a paint store and here in local in DC. I couldn't really find a job as I came home from prison. I'm 23 years old. Right, I, I can't really even explain where I've been for almost the last decade of my life. My last grade completed is the ninth grade, right? Like I have, and then I, on top of that, I'm, I got a felony, and I'm black, and I'm tall and black, right? Yeah. Like you know, it's all of the different, you know, the the check boxes that yep. I make that make an employer say get out of here, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what they were doing. Finally landed a job at a paint store. The paint store gave me an opportunity to be able to connect the painters in the D.C. area with residents who wanted to have their kitchens and their Mm -hmm. living rooms and all that stuff painted. Um, I grew that small painting business while I was working at the paint store to a nice-sized company. It allowed me to be able to quit working at a paint store and run that business full-time. Wow. Then I started taking on, like, really nice clients. Once I got, like, my first major contract, which was with BWI Airport, once I launched... Wow. Once I got the airport contract, you know... Then I start living my best life. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> like, like, hey. like that's what things, <laughs> things changed when I got the BWI contract. When I still got a BWI contract, it was like, all right, cool, right? And um, like this is a big tidbit that I give to people. If you're a minority, you know, meaning you're a, a female, a vet, a minority in ethnicity, whether you know, black, Asian, Native American, Latinx, any of those, like if you're a minority, then go apply to get your minority business enterprise license or whatever the comparable certification is for your jurisdiction right in Mm -hmm. the the dc area um it was an mbe it was being um the minority business enterprise that certification was uh was offered through uh the merlin aviation administration Mm -hmm. i was able to get that it allowed me to be able to have preferential treatment when the rf awesome when 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 the, the bid proposal came out for the airport i bid on it we won it and then it allowed me to be able to now travel the world. Like now, you know, I was able to pay myself a, a nice size salary. Wow. You know, I'm traveling the world. Things are starting to happen. And my friends who were still in prison with me, they wanted to see this world that I was living. And mm. I was like, yo, I'm going to write you a letter. I'm going to send you a picture as soon as I get back. Because I know how important it is. I was there. I remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I didn't. Mm. It was too hard. I just didn't do it. And so 
day after day will go by, but I'm still growing my company. Now, you know, we got Georgetown University, Howe University, National Press wow. Club. Now we have like a plethora of these kinds of contracts. That's and amazing. now like we have we're building staff and I have this nice. I didn't even office. know that. I didn't know it, it had grown so so big. Oh yeah, we we like it, it grew it, like it was like it was decent. It was decent size. Wow. We were good. And then when we were um I, I was like, I wanna I wanna figure out a way to solve this problem because there's an app to help me get my off my coffee quicker. Like there's an app to help me everything. Uh, and there's not an app for me to connect with my boys in prison. So I started Flick Shop. When we I started see. Flick Shop, it wasn't an instant success. It was like, oh, we were connecting to five families at the jails right. that my boy my boys were in. And then it was like 50 families. Then it was a hundred families. And there's a couple of prisons around the around the state because mm-hmm. like somebody would get transferred, they would take Flick Shop or the idea of it with them to the next person and then the other families join in. Once we got to like five hundred families that we connected, we were like, oh yeah, we're on to something. I see. How long did roughly how long did it take to get it took to that? maybe about maybe about a year. It That's was such it? a passive That's not bad. It was a passive business. I wasn't even like going after oh, you know what I mean like you weren't pursuing after Yeah, I was okay. like pursuing kitchen remodels. Like got that was you. like my world then. But when people started sending more, and then I had, I realized I had to jump through more and more bureaucratic red tape in order to get our technology approved. Uh, I was spending more hours on doing stuff with Flick Shop, and then it was like, man, like we're on to something. Like we should probably spend more attention to this. Um, and so we acquired another remodeling janitorial company. It was really an aqua hire. I wanted Tony and his entire team to come and work over at my company. Mm-hmm. And then when he came to be my VP to run a lot of our operations, mm-hmm. it freed me up to focus more on Flick Shop. We started growing it. And then I got into Techstars. Mm-hmm. Once I got into yep. Techstars, that helped us, you know, helped us out, you know, and thinking about how what infrastructure should look like for a tech company mm-hmm. and how to scale Did up. you actually have to move to, was it Georgia? So Techstars, yeah, Techstars has a bunch of these different locations all around around the world. But I was in the Techstars Anywhere program, which was a virtual program. So it was like one week out of the month for three months. One week out of the month, every month for three months, we would fly to a location in San Francisco, L.A. Got you. And somewhere else. Oh, in, in Boulder, Colorado. We would spend a week in one of those places with our cohort. But for the majority of the time, it was all Zoom calls and Slack. Mm, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So how many families are you roughly? Oh, yeah. So now we've connected um about 165 Mm-hmm. 166, 167, something like that. Thousand families. That's crazy. Yeah, we're almost at 200,000 families. That is amazing. I'm so that pumped a, about that's it. That's a lot of impact. And it's only going to keep growing, which I'm is really exciting. Yeah. So, Marcus, we, we may have to bring you back for a part two. Uh, you just have such a, a rich story and so many experiences, so many high highs and, and many low lows. And this is just the beginning of, of all that is to unfold for you. But if you could le- give us um, one or two pieces of advice for specifically for entrepreneurs, um, people who, you know, some who have been who are formerly incarcerated or people who think, you know, man, like there's this thing I want to do, but I don't know if I can really do it. Or, you know, I keep getting so many doors slammed in my face. You know, just can yeah. you give advice to just remembering where you were at certain yeah, times yeah, in yeah. your life? Absolutely. Let me get my top three. Mm-hmm. So number one, don't believe um don't believe social media, like I- including mine, right? Like people <laughs> I like, think it's including everybody. Yeah, like seriously, like <laughs> for the most like, part. <laughs> real life, don't believe because with you in your eyes, through because you want something so bad, the lens that you're looking at someone else's social media is like as if as if this is the thing. And we all know that social media is like the highlight of real yes. people's lives, but 
Like, don't look at that and think that not only are you not progressing, but also that they're so much further than you. First of all, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? I'm just been the CEO of this company for a minute now, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Every day, I feel like I'm winging it. I feel like I'm failing, right? No, you're not failing. But I think that it's or important people forward. to hear. I think it's important that people hear, like, yo, you not by yourself and thinking that this is, like, a hard thing. So... Um, it's a hard thing. It's very hard. None of us know what we're doing. Even the people who front like they know what they're doing, they have no idea what they're doing. And so, like, one, don't believe social. The second thing I would say is uh, surround yourself um, with one or two people who you admire. And not only do you admire them, but you see if you were in their shoes a couple of two, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you would be happy. Right. You would be excited to be in their shoes. You would be excited to have their problems. And the reason why I, I use that term, excited to have their problems, is mm. because if you talk to those same two people, like, you know, my grandmother used to say, birds of a feather flock together. First That's of all, truth. you're going to learn things and surround yourself around people who are in the place that you want to be. But also, you'll learn from their failures. And if you have conversations with them, they'll tell you what their failures are. I tell people all the time, you learn through either mentor or mistake. And I learned through a lot of mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. So, Hang around people that you want to be around. And the third, so that's like mentorship. So the first one, don't believe social media. Mm -hmm. The second one is um, mentorship. Mentorship is real. Like, mm -hmm. so like, yeah. and, oh, and the last thing about that mentorship thing, this one thing that people do with them, this one thing that I noticed that people do not do with their mentors, they don't ask them to be a mentor. And then if you get them in a closed room, they'll say, oh yeah, I have a mentor. They're so-and-so. And the other person, that mentor in the other room, they're like, do you have any mentees? They're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I what I mean, you, yeah. right? And because it, it, the 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 accountability that comes along with you saying to someone, "Would you be willing to mentor me?" Mm -hmm. is them saying yes or no, right? But if they say yes, now now it's a double opt in thing, right? So name your mentors and don't you just name them in in, in these quiet circles that you're around with right. your friends. They need to know they need that to know that they're actually mentor. a mentor. No question. And I then um you. the third one is to not push away people that are in your life that love you because you tired like so this is one thing and then what is what mm. i mean when i say that people walk in the room all the time like man i'm tired of this if i do this one more time every time i talk to my cousin she always want to ask me about this that. every time that you walk into a space and that you push someone away or push a resource away because you're tired of them or because you don't like the attitude or because you you walk into the room, you just walk into the room mad. You ain't even gave them an opportunity to overcome the objection that you had the last time that you mm. saw them, right? But every time you walk in there and you just bring this energy, you you forfeit the opportunity to learn and connect. And so those are the people who come around me and always are like, you know, have something to complain about. I'm I'm going too fast for me to absorb your energy. You want to absorb my energy that says, no, I love you. I operate out of a space of love, yeah. right? And if you come into the room operating out of a space of love, I don't care who you're in the room with. If you come into the room operating out of a space of love, I promise you have an opportunity to learn and connect. So those are my three things from um, foundational mental things, right? Because mm -hmm. the rest of the stuff, your business will succeed. All you got to do is just not give up. You will make money. All you got to do is just not give up. Probably have to find a side hustle in the meantime yeah. while you're trying to make yeah. money. Or two or, or three. Or two or three, right? <laughs> um, 
But but I, I think if if you're intentional about if you're intentional about not letting others dissuade you from thinking that you're a failure, if you're intentional about having mentorship and ensuring that you're connecting with people and have people surrounded around you that can lift you up and help educate you, I think you're in a much better position. And and I think the the, the really really big one is ensuring that you have those foundational mindset things that help push you through because it is hard. Thank you, Marcus. Those are great gems. We appreciate you. No doubt. And we are so excited to see the growth and the impact that. Flip shop is having and is making particularly with those our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated and their families uh keep up the good work and don't stop thank you keep thank fighting you so a good fight thank you thank you thank you thank you <laughs> you are listening to wera 96.7 fm arlington virginia this is your girl yazzie speaks on millennial minds till next time peace